1: lakers exceptionalism podcast my name is tom Z, joined as always by tim aka cranges mcbasketball and tim unfortunately until now we have not been able to pod together since 12 days ago the los angeles lakers became the 2020 nba champions and i gotta tell you i'm sitting here in my brand-new championship locker room gear that still smells like that shit that they put on, so whatever, bugs don't get in it. So I'm itchy, I'm stinky, but I'm repping the squad because this shit just got here. So, Tim, the first question I have for you is, one, how embarrassed are you by the amount of merch that you bought for for the Lakers championship?
0: I mean I'm embarrassed because I haven't purchased any yet but I knew I
1: you I knew that, that was going to be your answer. I don't know why but I knew you're going to be like, "Oh, actually, uh, you know, I haven't uh <laughs> I
0: haven't gotten anything. I will get stuff. I was in my enjoy this period of time. I didn't look at any film. I didn't touch any data. Now that we're more in a a reflecting kind of mode and I think that fits well with the pod we're going to do today. I'll probably leave this and and go buy my stuff right after
1: i don't believe you dot gif okay moving on today we're gonna talk about the season superlatives so the best moment the best you know x the best y the best this the best that we'll get into it because there's a lot of things to celebrate from this season and it's we didn't get a chance to talk about the end of the series so let's let's talk a little bit about those last couple games and you did a great job kind of preview previewing why the Lakers struggled in that game five, why they lost and what they could have done to adjust. And we don't want to get that into the to the weeds with it, but just get on the surface with how what this championship meant to you, where you were. Um so I personally had a <laughs> a terrible time watching because I was at the end of the 48 hour film festival we had entered which is exactly what it sounds like where you make a movie in 48 hours. And the deadline for editing was during the game and I was watching it and I was so happy that they made it not a very close game because otherwise I would have been a mess, but I was able to go back and watch the game later. And the Lakers just absolutely dominated possibly their best defensive performance of the season, which is saying a lot. And it was just a joy to see the Lakers beat a team with what they had been good at all year. And I'm just curious what you thought to see this team kind of finally culminate in that that final game.
0: Yeah, my, my state of mind was very much like going into game five. Right before the game, I rewatched some Kobe highlights. I rewatched his uh, final game. I was like just tr- reminiscing, trying to think bigger picture. I was already kind of in not celebration mode, but like preparing myself for like this moment to enjoy it and all that. And then it didn't happen. So then I went into game six, like screw Miami. I mean, like I know what I think and what I do doesn't matter on the outcome of the game, but I was so much more focused and like lasered in and like in analyzation, uh, anal- analyzing mode. Um, and I don't know. It, it, Thankfully, they kind of put it away early, and we were able to celebrate for more than just the final couple minutes, and that definitely lowered the stress levels, and I personally am very happy that they won decisively and in a way that, like, if we would have just kind of squeaked out that series win, uh, and it was in six games against a team that didn't have two of their, their best guys for several games of the series. That uh, Or maybe not, yeah, not their two best, but two of their three best players for for multiple games in the series, it wouldn't have felt the same. So I'm glad we put them away decisively. It was cool to see the team using a lot of what we talked about or what I talked about after that Game 5 loss, where I was uh, really irked with the way we approached things. But we saw yet again Vogel made the adjustments we were looking for, maybe not immediately, but a game or two later and in plenty of time to... Uh, put that one away so i i enjoyed it Uh, seeing everything that happened afterwards was fantastic seeing people be like ready with like these videos (laughs) pre-made or like those like almost like slideshows of like old cold takes and tweets um it was fantastic uh i I wonder if anyone here hopped on the miami heat beat uh, post game or (laughs) just seeing their reactions was a little bit funny And, and i know like we try to keep it above board uh but uh engaging a little bit in the the that sort of, um, that stuff is, that was the time to do it. So I, I had my good bit of fun. And for the, the couple of days after that was very much in celebration mode.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, look, we, we clowned on, on different potters or, you know, collectively as a Lakers Twitter, and as an NBA Twitter for some pretty trash takes. And that's what happens when your team's Twitter kind of gets thrust into the, the NBA Twitter sphere, you know, because that's people who are talking the most that's the people who are having the worst and best takes hopefully um but i i was just so happy and thankful for a championship in the twitter era going back to it you know we have so many people who we talk to on a regular basis that the community and especially during this year and what we've all been through the connection that the Lakers championship provided all of us on a human level, you know, is is very hard to find. I would say these days um, it's not as easy as, you know, commenting on someone's Facebook uh, a timeline. It's it's not the same for me, at least I'd have never met you know ninety nine point five percent of any of the people I talk to on Twitter, and it doesn't matter one bit. there's the collective familyhood about it, you know all of us brothers, sisters in arms you know and and to your point, I think we all got a little cocky in that game going to that game five with us wearing those mamba jerseys, you know you gotta as the expression goes was it chop wood carry water right you gotta earn it, and I think the Lakers were as focused into that game six as you were trying to zero in on how they could improve and close this thing out. But I want to get into some of the superlatives now that ties directly into this. And I think I have to bring up that regardless of injury, the Lakers won in six, just like I called it, Tim, just like I called it. Sell the future. Let's go. Okay, but the first superlative is, if Bam, Adebayo, and Goran Dragic do not get injured, how many games does this series go, Tim? I think... See, this
0: is tough because they they would make the team better. But what makes me question my initial thoughts, which would be that I would have had the Lakers in seven, um, given what we know now and how well Miami played, But the way that they took a Linux out of the rotation Mm -hmm. and got away from a lot of what had been working for Miami uh, towards the middle of the series makes me question whether or not they would have had like those games with that kind of success if they never had to turn to those Mm -hmm. guys. Um, So I don't know. I I, I think the Lakers could have won it in six. I'll say seven. I still think we would have won the series, but uh, Miami definitely gained a lot of my respect. Um, I, you know, had thought highly of them going into this, but their coaching staff was fantastic. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler put on some great performances and, uh, they, they battled. So all credit to them. Um, they're going to be back in similar situations in the future because they have a lot of guys that are younger, getting better, a lot of guys under contract. They need to figure out what they're going to do with Dragic, but, um, yeah all credit to them but i'll say lakers in
1: seven yeah it's not just uh goron and bam being better right because they're not hurt it's tyler hero being better because he's not thrust into a role he's not familiar with he doesn't get that extra attention Mm. it's a rising tide kind of argument with with those players because they are so good they make players around them better duncan robinson might get more you know space if there's another a plus shooter on the court uh and i agree you know I think alin the thing that I thought was interesting about that is the Lakers tried to answer with it right in game four by going small on their own, and I don't know if that obviously it worked, you know, but with Bam and Goron, I don't think that works because Goron is gonna destroy that pick and roll and yeah i i I personally think it would have still been Lakers in six because of what we saw from Jimmy Butler, I don't think he takes the ball in his hands the way he did if if Goron especially wasn't injured. And I don't mean that as a slight to Jimmy. I mean that as as actually a compliment because he did everything in game three and game five, right? And that's just not what he's built to do. And it's to his credit. He makes everyone around him better so when he has the ball in his hands as consistently as he did in those games i think it made miami worse you know because they had to because goran and bam were at i don't know if this makes sense but it's forcing him into something that he can do he did well it worked with success but then you saw you know in game five the tank's empty you know what what else yep. what else can he do
0: Exactly. If it were the optimal strategy for them, they probably would have been doing it more than just went backed into a corner. And, and that needs exactly. to be the way they, exactly. it. they They are built to perform in a specific way with guys in specific roles, the same way that the Lakers have guys that they are good at what they do. But when Danny Green needs to start creating off the dribble and playmaking and all that stuff, that's when he runs into yep. trouble when we need Alex Caruso running pick and roll on volume and making more complex reads that's when he gets in trouble. These are guys that can be really good if they do what we want them to be doing and thankfully the Lakers were able to cultivate that and get everyone in the right roles. But Miami is that same sort of thing. If if I think Tyler here was a great call out cuz Hero is better than we saw in the play in not in the playoffs. In the finals, in the yeah, finals. definitely. And the reason why we saw him drop off a bit and have those crazy, inefficient shooting nights was because he needed to play. He needed to be doing a different job he doesn't usually do. And it was predictable that he wouldn't perform well there. I had been anticipating they would have found other ways to try to work around that and limit that. But him having to do something he's not normally doing just exposed him to uh, perform the way he did.
1: So that's a, it's an interesting question. That's kind of why I want to start with that one is what what happens? And again, we try to be as objective as we can with our Laker fandom, but it's it's hard to have not picked the Lakers. And and they were the favorites, you know, going into a fully healthy series. And I think six games is a fair kind of place to land where seven makes me feel more like, oh, man, anything could happen in game seven. Can Miami, like... Pull out another one of these you know forty point triple doubles from jimmy butler and and Duncan Robinson hits four threes five threes, and they they can pull it off i I just personally didn't see a scenario where that could happen, so six felt like okay, we lost one game like normal, we bounce back, oh shit, we lost the second game like we're laser focused in let's play the best ball of the season, and that's kind of what happened so mm-hmm. Uh, that was a fun one to start on. I, I, there's so many others. Let's let's keep with the playoff motif, right? So we got. Uh, and
0: actually, please go hey ahead. Up, um, b- before before we go to the next one, what did in terms of how people voted? Because because we put these questions uh, up yes, on Twitter, yes. many of you listening may have seen these and voted on these. What was the consensus there?
1: Hold scrolling i think it was sort of about yeah oh, wait,
0: i found it i found it
1: so the question
0: was if bam and Dragic are healthy the entire series and 80 also isn't banged up what happens in the finals and 86 percent of about 900 people said that the lakers went in five or six games mm-hmm. about 10 percent said lakers in seven uh, about two and a half percent said miami in seven and then about one and a half percent said miami in five or six and we didn't I, there just aren't enough other options to fit in like Lakers right. in four, or Miami and four, or kind of split out the five slash six piece of it, just with how Twitter works.
1: And to give Miami their credit, I do think that they're be- the best team the Lakers played in the playoffs, and it, it's not particularly close. I, well, Denver was very good as well, but I still think Miami, especially with their coaching, uh, with their their superstar talent that Jimmy Butler showed, he was just incredible. I I always like that guy, man. There's something about him reminds me of Kobe, and and he just you know, made me fall in love with him even more during this, this postseason. So I, I gave him respect and even as a healthy team, I picked Lakers in six and that's what I still would have felt, you know, still, still feel like they would have gotten two games off the Lakers no matter what they would have done. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and I feel like if some of the other teams that we faced had this level of coaching, they probably would have taken another. Game at least well. Denver.
1: Potentially. At, at least true. Denver. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it, it will in Denver actually kind of played ball with us a little bit with mm-hmm. the adjustments, but Houston and Portland, once we just kind of changed one or two things, it was like they didn't have a counter mm-hmm. and there were counters available and they just never used any of them. So there was more potential for those to be closer, or more entertaining than they ended up being. Coaching was a big piece of that. Um, I still don't think that they would have won sure. the series, but I think this just kind of goes to show how, like a coach like Spolstra, he's always going to get more out of his teams than than you would normally expect in these playoff environments. It's just this year he had the right roster. They built that culture. And like you said, Jimmy was just that dude to let them get to as far as they did. So again, huge credit to them. Um, some of those other matchups, there was more potential. We just didn't quite see it because of the coaching. But again, uh, and that goes back to Vogel and his staff just doing such a good job and I mean they weren't perfect, but they figured out what they needed to do relatively quickly, and they had the personnel to be able to hold their ground for the most part whenever they were trying to figure that mm-hmm. out so it was a collective effort. I don't think like Vogel and his staff are like a top two coaching staff in the league, but they are very good, and the roster is excellent and and altogether that was able to to bring the title home
1: if like a team is the fruit right. And success is the juice. I'm going to take this metaphor so far. I can't wait. Okay. Miami, they are squeezing that, that fruit for all its juice. They're planting the seeds in it. They're, they're rind the, they're making some limoncello. They're, they're composting that fruit waste. Miami is going to squeeze every ounce, every morsel of success out of their team, the way their culture is built up. I have, Nothing but respect for how those guys go about their business, and they, you know they took down the Bucks, they took down the Celtics. They played good teams, you know. I still wonder. I don't think the Lakers lose, but I'm a lot more worried about what that Celtics matchup looks like for a number of reasons, you know. But Miami, they took care of business. They go in and they, again, when they lose those pieces like Goron and Bam, they're they're scrambling to find answers, and they. They just didn't have the horses. Right. So credit to them. It was an incredible series. I still think Lakers in six, but man, I'm excited to see them build and, you know, possibly become a super team. If they get someone like Giannis or even a smaller uh, superstar, like an Oladipo or something, they'll be really exciting to watch going forward because they have a bright future, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll be a team to watch. I think Denver is another team to keep an eye on. They're not quite in that same caliber to me in terms of what the the future looks like in in two or three years. But they have every chance to be a really competitive team. The West is going to get harder next year with a couple t- like the Warriors emerging. Um, but uh, we we played. Got we got a, a chance to play, and the broader NBA viewership got a chance to see some of those rising teams. So it was. It was a cool run. We got to play a lot of neat teams with star players, and and I really really enjoyed just this whole experience. Like you said, the community of Laker fans, um, like we never would have met. No, <laughs> I never definitely. would have met all of these people, um, and and like having those dialogues, having just the the back and forth among us during games, after games, before games, after winning. It's it's just been so much fun and. uh, yeah, let's let's get to the next one because we have quite a few left. Let's do
1: it now. I I want to keep this moving in the playoff uh, vein. So, <laughs> for some reason, once in every series, one of the best players on the team had this swag moment where they were feeling themselves and they, you know, conveyed that to the world in very obvious manner. We've got four nominees in order, right? Everyone remembers the Dame dancing to blow the whistle, right? Russ's, you know, insane screaming man attack in game...
0: Towards, like, the women and children yeah. section of the <laughs> arena, by
1: the way. <laughs> uh, uh, we had the Jamal Murray kind of strutting in his backpedal after he hit that, uh, that dagger in game three. And we had Tar- Tyler Hero's snarl as well in game three of the finals, of course, when... Uh, swaggy 11 from Stranger Things with a skin fade tried to hit us with a fucking... Anyway, okay. So what's the best uh, Oh, It's On moment? Of all those, I guess, so are we rating from This Pissed Me Off The Most, So This Wins? Is that kind of the scale? I think so.
0: I think yeah, okay, scale.
1: just wanted to make sure.
0: For me, I think the, the Russ yell made me the most angry
1: really <laughs> okay taking away who it is I, if I, it's not russell westbrook is that still the same answer
0: oh then i don't care no no so it's
1: a this is a rust thing i just want to clarify because i i don't this might be a rust thing. i, I just want to you know i like damian lillard a lot but his blow the whistle thing he's from oakland this is a fucking e, like e40 song right like what are we doing here why are yeah. we playing this at a lakers yeah, home game
0: Right. And that one was like dirt, like the game wasn't decided at that point. Right. I, I'm trying to remember the moment in which he did.
1: That. Uh, I mean, no, it, it was. I think it put him up like, you know, seven with like 90 seconds to go or something like that. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Gotcha.
0: I thought the Murray one was the least offensive to me. He was just kind of feeling himself backing up, but he was backpedaling. He was at least getting back into position to defend. Russell Westbrook, like, yelling at children doesn't, I think that was just, that one's done in its own category for me. The the hero Snarl, like, at at the time didn't bother me all that much. I was just kind of like, who is this dude? Like, we know how poorly you've been performing. Like, you have no right to be doing what you're doing right now. You just, good good job, now you're like four for 19 or whatever he was that.
1: See, that's why that one pisses me off the most. Okay, so... Oh no, you're right. The blow the whistle moment was, it put the, the, the Blazers up, s- no, it tied the, the game at 540 left in the fourth.
0: Okay. See, I respect that one, because that one's still in it. That's not celebrating after you've won.
1: And it, he didn't do it right away. He called Dame. He hit at the shot, ran back down the court. And then, you know, in those transition plays, they play music and they just started to play blow the whistle. Mm-hmm. And he's on the baseline playing defense, you know. that I'm cool with Dame. Respect for Dame. The Tyler Hero one pissed me off by far. Okay, so many reasons. First of all, you're like, you took Rajon Rondo off the dribble after he gambled trying to strip you. And you, you made a... Nice layup. Okay. Like, congratulations, Tyler hero. I don't know. That dude pisses me off. I don't know. Like there's a swag. Everyone loves his confidence, but to me it's, it's too much. It, It goes, it's gotten past the point of like, wow, this guy's confidence actually helps him succeed at a young age in a professional, like man's business where you need experience and grit. And he's got, you know, this this irrational confidence that works for me up to an extent. And then, yeah, when you're shooting like 15 foot floaters that somehow magically go in over Anthony Davis, that's not good confidence. I don't, I want you to shoot those shots. Please continue to go eight for 19 from the field. So that's the one that pissed me off the most because it's from a guy who's in his first year. You know, he is an incredibly important player on this team. But it's just like, fucking read the room, dude.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's right up there with Screaming at Children. And if we look at the results of the poll on Twitter, those were the top two. Uh In last place was Murray's backpedal dance thing at like 12%. Dame dancing to blow the whistle was at 18%. And then we had the hero snarl at 34.3% and Russ's yell at 35.7%. So pretty close. So those, those two were definitely in the, the top what,
1: Have we considered that Russ was screaming at William Rondo and not <laughs> children?
0: They so, got bro, into it, about right?
1: It. Like that's like a thing. They, they started like yelling at each other at some point in the series.
0: Isn't he the, wasn't he like the barber in the bubble too? Was he? Like, he was there under some, like, not just to, like, support Rajan, but uh, in some sort of professional capacity, from what I understand.
1: Hashtag nepotism. Lakers nepotism.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. We've, which is also a topic we've covered on this podcast. Like, Oh, yeah. Ago.
1: Well, um, honestly, like, the general MPA wasn't necessarily wrong with criticizing our love for nepotism.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure uh maybe another topic for the offset. <laughs> but yeah right. okay if Russ is yelling at a player's brother I mean I don't okay it's
1: Rondo's brother imagine how much shit Rondo's brother talks
0: I see I don't know the guy it's hard to it's hard to judge but for him to be like be called out in that specific way if that was to him um, was, it, was it to him? or are we? So
1: I'm speculating mainly because so there's the f- friends and family section, right, of the only people that aren't a part of the team or media in the stadium. So I know for a fact that Rondo's brother got in trouble for talking shit to Russ at some point in the series. And I had just wondered if, you know, that wasn't the okay, first me- time we had seen it, that we, they had actually been going back and forth through the series. And this might have been an example.
0: Mm-hmm. right okay i was probably drawn on a whiteboard or something
1: look i don't know i'm trying to contextualize the rust scream the rust scream actually probably bothered me sec second least for me it's probably the hero snarl and then it's the murray back pedal. it's like murray again dude like it's so like just read the room man like you're you you barely didn't go down 3-0 you had a nice game sure i it's yeah it's fine it's fine it's fine
0: Three to four of these guys are like key pieces, number one or number two options for their teams. Hero isn't, was also performing poorly, <laughs> right. and uh, it hit a layup over Rajan Rondo.
1: Yes. All
0: right, you've turned, you've changed my opinion. I, I've got Hero. Okay,
1: thank you. I just, it's just who, okay. what, who, are, who's this guy? All right, it's not quite Jimmy Neutron levels of nerd, uh... but Jimmy Neutron with a skin fade, maybe. Not quite. Um. All right, Let, let's move on to another Fidos question, and this was an interesting one. I was curious. Danny Green got a lot of flack, unduly. He missed a shot. It happens. Get over it. That's good basketball. We, we agree with that, right? We didn't talk about that. That's good basketball.
0: I, I think he should have passed to KCP. Oh, God. Hour, but I don't mind the shot. I don't mind Did, the
1: shot. You think he should have passed to KCP? Why? Why?
0: Okay. Cause KCP's man was the one recovering to Danny green and KCP was wide open and it's a closer shot. And it's it, like, it would have been a higher value shot, but I, I have no problem with like, he took the shot. I am not upset that he missed it. I wish he would have made the pass, but not to the point that I'm like really upset at him or anything. It's fine. He made, he made an okay play. It wasn't the best play in my opinion, but in a quick bang bang sort of situation, that's fine. See, but
1: in a world where you don't want Danny green doing too much, his principle there is to fucking shoot. Right. Probably.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's it's fine. He just didn't hit yeah,
1: it. Yeah, it's a shot. It's it's he it's was open. Fan. Look, he missed a shot poorly. 70, 60% yes. of
0: the time?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, maybe more for Danny, but that's neither here nor there. And people taking it out on players for making not succeeding in positions where they were set up to succeed. It's like, dude, you've never obviously fucking played sports because everyone's been there. You know what I mean? We've all blown the layup when we were wide open on a fast break. Like Everyone's done it, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've all been embarrassed. Yes. Like I beat I beat you with the Celtics in in two K that one time. That is that when my controller?
1: No, I don't know. Died. I can't remember. <laughs> I actually don't think that ever happened. That might be fake news. But moving on to I'm da- sure Danny happened. Green. I
0: think that's in the Twitter archive.
1: Danny Green. Okay. So what
0: was the question?
1: Danny Green took the shot. Right. This is the wing shot uh, to win Game Five. Yeah. So who's the guy on the team? That you, if that ball hits his hands, you're already celebrating. You're like, yes, 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 yes. Who's the guy you want taking that shot?
0: For me, it's probably KCP for two reasons. One, he's maybe our best three-point shooter. Two, in the playoffs, he, over multiple series on different occasions, has hit big shots in key moments. They may not have been at the end of the game all the time, but there were different stretches of different games where the Lakers offense wasn't working for a couple minutes and the other team got a lead. And then suddenly KCP hits a big shot Um, to the point where of all of our guys, I think he, in the form he was in, in the playoffs would have been most resilient. Like, I don't think he was going to be in his own head for that. Mm -hmm. shot. So I would go KCP. I I don't mind Danny green taking that. I don't mind. Like if it were, LeBron, I think I would have been great with that too. I know you, you don't feel that quite the same way. AD, I would have been happy with as well.
1: Right. Yeah, we're kind of trying to put. But I'll say K- Try to kind of put AD and LeBron to the side because that's obviously AD already hit a game winning three. And even though he's a worse shooter than, you know, KCP, I think there's an argument to be made for, you know, star potential, living up to the moment, yeah. just being more comfortable. You know, KCP's has struggled this season and in big moments at times too, and early in the season, because he feels like the kind of guy who gets a little too, too excited. He gets happy feet. He rushes He, you know, and he's gotten so much better at that year. Right. He was incredible and hit huge shots for the Lakers, but he's developed into that, you know? So there's still moments where he could revert back to like, Oh, Oh my God. Oh my God. And, and just simply rush his shooting motion. Cause that's all it takes to kind of fail in those moments. You know um, it's just a little bit of, of just doubt in your mind, but KCPs I'm I'm torn because this is a tough question. I, I know guys, I don't really want it shooting. I, I feel less confident about LeBron than I do AD, but obviously LeBron's also an incredible player with clutch back, you know, moments in his bag. I don't want Caruso shooting that. I just don't think that goes well. I don't particularly... I don't know. I think I'd rather want Markeef to shoot it than Kuzma. Um, try to think.
0: Kuz has hit some clutch shots. He has. He and,
1: that, that would be... Because uh, I, I
0: think Marquise better. Right. I think if it were a corner three, maybe? I, I don't know. If it were know. corner three, I, I, Kuz... I don't know who should put yeah. on which
1: spot. This is an interesting question. I feel like corner three, Kuz would have been...
0: It would have slightly changed it for me because
1: Keith know. was good from the wings this this finals. Like he was he was good. He made yeah. some big you know shots, uh but pretty efficiently, if I recall correctly. So mm-hmm. I think my answer is also KCP. If we're putting aside AD and LeBron, um, but I think Mark Keith is a low key. Like maybe he should have just shot that after he got you know that turnover, or before he got that turnover at the end of game five because. He had a little right. mid-range shot there he could have he pulled from, and that's kind of his, his range.
0: Yeah. I, I, it, it was like a weird – it was a weird spot on the court where a guy like him probably doesn't take many of those. But I, I don't know. It, taking that would have been fine. Passing it to, like, anybody but AD would have yeah. been fine. Just... And it was kind of poetry that a bad post-entry was that's... what decided that <laughs> Think game. about that. We've just been so bad at those. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's an interesting okay, question. So Moving to the, the poll, right? We had KCP was the winner. We had KCP, Danny Green, Markee, and Kuzma yeah. were the options. A little over 400 votes. KCP got 65%. Uh, next closest was Danny Green, who we didn't mention there at 21%. How, like, obviously, we literally saw Danny Green have that. But if I set up a situation where that happens again, are you. You happy with the way that game ends on that shot?
0: Yeah. I, I think yeah. if I were to pick two guys to take that shot, it would have been KCP, Danny Green. One, yeah. two. And I think the fact that Danny missed the shot results in him being only at like 21% in this poll and KCP at 65% instead of it being closer or potentially even reversed. But yeah, that that's that's a good
1: shot yeah. for him. I think would should have gotten more love in this, like I said. But, you know... It, it it's the kind of also that what you brought up with kuz if it's a quarter three like kuz has been great from out there you know i think that's a good consideration to to put out there so anyway
0: yeah in the fact that he would have to catch and shoot instead of having the opportunity to like dribble around with the ball and then shoot which kuz has been much worse at uh scoring off of, right off of. like he he there are specific shots that he takes where you're like, that's not going in. Right. And then there were ones where it's like, okay, this is the type of shot that he performs much better at. So it it would have at least kind of pushed him into more favorable territory. But yeah, the fact that it wasn't a corner three, I think drops him in my assessment, just a tad. But I I agree with you that Markeith probably should have gotten more than 7% of the votes.
1: For sure. All right. So kind of rounding out, we're working backwards from the season. So we're starting kind of playoffs, right. And we're, we're going to work back toward the the proper first part of the season. But before we get there, what is the best receipt pull that you've seen? Now, for me, it's got to be just about anything from the Bird Rights or Mason Ginsburg. Pull up either of those timelines and throw a fucking dart and you will find some ridiculous-ass Lakers takes. And I can't, like, they're talking about... If the Lakers don't win the championship, Brandon Ingram was gonna be the best player from the the Lakers Pelicans trade. Uh, people, um, come on i I respect Mason Ginsburg. I think he does do good work, but he fucking hates the Lakers. And it's so funny to see so many of these, you know, otherwise professional basketball writers just just hate all over everything the lakers have done not try to be objective in any way they set it up with well yeah you got lebron james you were a terrible dysfunctional franchise not not mentioning any of the great draft picks that the lakers had over the last 10 years you know developing players
0: mm-hmm.
1: um finding gems in the second round where other teams are selling their picks for for cash to get to to work over the you know luxury tax it's to, I, it's just, I has to be the bird rights in Mason Ginsburg to me for like the receipt pulls. You could tell there's other ones, right? Chris Mannix, there's Jackie Mack, there's Paul Pierce, there's Jalen Rose. There's all this, there's so many, right? People put those, you know, compilations out, like you said, like the moment the title drop. But for me, it's like, fuck those Pelicans and, and fuck Mason Ginsburg for his trash Lakers takes because he's just, he's got so much hate in his heart and and we just did nothing to you. We gave you good players. You got a good haul. What why are you so bad, bro? Well,
0: if you look at their timelines a couple of weeks before that trade, you you would know that none of the players that they received were good players. Exactly. You, you realize. Exactly. Ball's trash. Ingram's no good. So in and, and I think what so so like I agree with the I agree with that assessment. I would have some of the Pelicans folks first. I don't have any problem with any of them i think what makes it different for me is like you have the folks who said really dumb stuff but like i have no idea who they are yes <laughs> they, have, they they're just random they're just random yes. people they're just random fans so i don't like that doesn't stand out to me i'm not like ha, we got right. you you john john smith 46297 like i don't care about that then there are the people on the national stage who regularly are just trying to produce hot takes and right. will say things and like I, again, like I don't get personally attached to any of that because that's just kind of what they do. Wait, it's a show. By now. Then there are like over the course of the season, there were different projections that had the either they interviewed people or there were some analytics that said like the Lakers weren't the favorite, but maybe they were second or third or fourth. And I'm okay with that because I think this team got better during yes. the year. In some of the key development, like Marquise Morris wasn't on the team at the beginning of the year, and that tangibly changed the way I looked at yep. this team. Um, a playoff Rondo, like Roger Rondo was not good in the regular no. season. All of a sudden he had the, like, and we, playoff is a thing, but this year the jump that he took was larger than any jump we've ever seen him take in his career. And I don't particularly think it was predictable this year. Like I, I was not anticipating him getting this much hmm. better. I think if you were anticipating him getting this much better, you were out of your mind. He he was like our third or fourth best player in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so, so some of that stuff, like I have no problem with like if people pull up like some analytics like espn's fpi or or what is that that's football uh bpi their basketball power index or whatever i've got no problem with that the the thing with the pelicans folks is like you said they're like otherwise very professional like reporters analysts and but there's just this little little hatred that they have inside of them for the specific team and and we see this with a lot of fans i just think that the pelicans people are we're top of mind and we're more aware it's, of it it's recency because of yeah. the anthony davis trade yeah. And, and yeah it's recency it's the fact that we've had to see their stuff floating across our timelines calling those same players trash that now they're embracing um which isn't unlike other fan bases but it just so happens that in relation to us that kind of stands out far more than like i don't know some uh i don't know pick another team who had a trade um, them like not liking the players that they ended up getting and then watching them more regularly and deciding they were good. I, I yeah, for me, it's the Pelicans folks. I, again, I don't have anything personal against any of them, but it's always good uh just in general to, to feel like we won that trade and have this be some vindication or some validation of, of that fact. Um and then to go point in their faces and laugh at them. So I'm on board. There. So like you
1: mentioned before, we try to keep this all above board. And I, when I said that F Mason Ginsburg, I do not mean it personally. And if someone clips this out of the show, you know what I mean? Like I'm adding context for, uh, and I don't want to be like other pods, yeah, I you the the name I calls. Call. Yes, I don't. That's why I don't want to talk about them. It's just like, whatever. They did a thing. Let's not go there. I am talking about profession, mm. like professionally. That is just. There's so much disdain for the Lakers and what they represent in the league, and I'm a fan, like of course, but
0: it's justified. A lot of it's justified. Is it justified? If you're, fan. but we'll think about it this way: If you are a fan of, and you're a diehard fan, you've been a fan, you've been an analyst, and you're grinding through these seasons of some small market team or a team that just doesn't happen to have the lottery balls that fall their way, or LeBron James doesn't sign with them. And you're suffering through those seasons. And, you know, we had our years where we weren't good. We had some really crappy players, didn't have much to hold on to. But we are where we are today. And in the past, this franchise has been where it's been. If you're with one of those smaller market teams that hasn't had that kind of success, and you, like literally us and other podcasts, other analysts, other folks within the Lakers world have talked about in the past how dysfunctional the franchise appeared at different points in time, even as recently as a year or two Mm -hmm. ago. And- when like magic wasn't running things well we hired two head coaches in a row with byron scott and luke walton that like i was not happy with in any way shape or form and felt were like really not good moves that should have been able to have been seen as not good moves poor process yeah um yeah just poor process so like that has been happening i think you are spot on to say that that's not everywhere and we've had excellent drafting in particular that has been like the one really great thing is we've drafted some really good players even though we've had a lot of those number two picks we've also gotten so much out of guys like Josh Hart and Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson and all that that group of folks like it, there, there's uh, so many different ways to look at it the Lakers franchise isn't just terrible at everything but there are certainly even in our minds and in other fans minds ways that like we haven't been winning at the margins, yet you go get LeBron to sign with your team, and Anthony Davis asks, asks out of New Orleans and wants to go to the Lakers, and that helps get him over here. And, of course, we had to have the assets, but it certainly helped us. If, if he had no preference for where he wanted to go and wasn't saying that he wanted to leave, he probably wasn't getting traded, or he may not have gotten traded here if other teams thought they had a better chance to resign him. So a lot of those things that just, it's not quite fair from their perspective, and I get it. And it's not our fault. It's not like we shouldn't feel bad about that. Um, But I get it. And and that, I think, is what sows a lot of the resentment from other fan bases. And, like, I know I'm in, like, a a Slack channel with a bunch of analytics folks, and they despise the Lakers because we don't make great uh, analytical decisions. Um, So, like, there's so many different types of people with different backgrounds that care about different things from an X's and O's or data or process or front office or whatever standpoint can look at the Lakers and be like that's not the right way that's not the right process Mm -hmm. but it worked and we had people who made the most of what they could I think Vogel and his his staff have done a great job we can talk about Palenka on another pod but he has done a wonderful job over the past year or two Um, the players did everything they could so it's not like you can't be happy to to be a Lakers fan but understand where they might be coming from to, to feel the way that they do about this franchise and you know, relishing that hatred the same way yes. that like a Kobe would playing on the road. That's fine. We, we love we hearing do. that when we win the title. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so this is the last thing I'll say about this, right? If We just talked earlier in the podcast about how much I love the heat culture and that how, how that operates like the military. And, and Pat Riley is a big military guy, you know? So the thing that's unique about the Lakers and conveniently overlooked, if you ask me, is that the Lakers are a family. The Lakers are not run like a business. They're run like a family. And with family comes dysfunction. But with family, there also comes a loyalty and a level of trust that you don't get from other franchises. There's no way in hell the Lakers trade Isaiah Thomas like they did in Boston. There's no way. There's no way. And that
0: matters. Think, think of it like that. Anthony Davis's father has said that mattered, and that his son is never going to play for Boston based on what they did with him. And and like we can look at the Lakers giving Kobe the money he did on his last deal. oh like this AC Green match. is We're still the color run like the Patriots.
1: AC Green but is but still the color word. commentary for the G League. AC Green color that is the most vanilla dude I've ever seen in my life. Like if you're a Laker, you get a job for life. Jordan Farmer has a gig on Spectrum Sports Day. Like
0: what? <laughs> does he really he, oh, sometimes okay. i yes. see i don't live in la so i don't get to see, see
1: the i'm sorry wow. i just like okay. it's people overlook that stuff and to me that stuff matters i'm sorry i interrupted with my eats a green take
0: no 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 you're good i interrupted you no the, i i think that's a good way to look at it like there will be dysfunction it's not going to be we're going to win at every margin and we're going to make the most of everything but in those ambiguous situations where you need to have someone put trust in you or give you a chance or make a decision that may not be optimal on paper, I think having that community and that loyalty and that family and guys knowing they're going to be taken care of helps get people here, helps keep keep people here, and helps them perform well. So I think that would be another great thing to to cover on another pod this offseason, but yeah, so uh what was the, what was the question? But, but it's oh, the, the, the best receipt pulling. pulling. And we didn't get a chance to well, I didn't put this one on Twitter cuz I couldn't fit all of the options into four choices nor could I fit the uh description uh, descriptions of those options within the Twitter character mm-hmm. limit, but uh yeah, that, I, I'm glad we got to discuss that. Yeah, you
1: know, this is me kind of ranting about the, Le- you know, Lakers not getting the respect. And I don't care. Lucky right. You know, I don't I don't need I like it that the league hates us. I like it that they say dumb shit that We can pull receipts on later and just obviously be like, I respect you. You're a good objective basketball analyst. So for some reason you despise this team so much that it's you're operating purely off of hate and just anger over anything that they do. And just look at it again. This is all I'll say, right? People counted out Rondo. People counted out Dwight Howard. People counted out KCP and Avery Bradley. Look at like up Alex, Alex Caruso up and down this roster. People questioned and didn't believe. And the Lakers, and this doesn't always work, right? You can believe someone can do something, and the reality, the analytics, the actual numbers, they could say this is not a thing that's actually going to happen. But if you believe in someone, you can believe that Rondo can step up in the playoffs. You can believe and trust that Dwight Howard can become a starter. And this is what will lead into our next one, right? I'll lead into our next. What's the best development story of this season for the Lakers? Because we have a lot of them. We are not the same team that we started the year as. And we became a champion through the season. We were a contender to start the season, but every step along the way got us closer to being the champions that we were starting with Dwight Howard, finally finding and accepting a role as a rebounding, rim-defending role player, right? That's huge. He wasn't able to do that in Charlotte and Atlanta. We have that. We have the regular season Rondo flipping the switch in the playoff Rondo, and yeah, becoming our third best player, becoming another coach on the floor, like helping Vogel with adjustments in his mind and seeing things out there, being able to get to those moments quicker before you drop two games in a row. We also have... Kyle Kuzma, supposed to be 6'9 Lou Williams, offensive, you know, flamethrower, getting, you know, 20 points a game. And he became our most valuable wing defender. And he did a very good job at playing off ball and being a role player. He developed from what we thought he was into the role he needed to be to be a champion. And fi- mm-hmm. and finally, we have Alex Caruso going from the G league undrafted to becoming an NBA finals starter in a NBA elimination clinching game, just incredible development stuff. And that's not even, it. we could have had added others too, from KCP starting the season, you know, to, um, I don't know, JaVale McGee, not becoming a part of the lineup at all. There's, I don't know. There's so many things. What, what stood out to you as the most kind of impactful development that happened this season
0: there there are a lot of good options if we look at it in terms of the most i'll say if there's if it's looking at the most surprising i think you have a lot of great options here because again rondo gave zero indication that he would be able to flip a switch quite the way that he did and it was so important because we didn't have the playmaking we didn't have the the guys on the roster to be able to make the reads and generate the offense for themselves and others and, and not just Rondo playmaking, but like getting to the rim, finishing at the rim, we saw him flex his strength with. And I mean, that was in the data during the regular season, but it, it he put a lot together defensively. That was really impressive. Um, the Dwight piece, I was anticipating we might see, but he up until this point in his career has never played the offensive role as a roll and cut big that he did this year. Never, 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 never. He's always been a uh, ball in his hands, back to the basket, post guy. Which he almost never did this year, which was huge because that what that's what let him fit with this team. Kuz becoming a good defender was very much out of nowhere for yeah. me. Um, I I still think like AD or LeBron, like when they needed to take on that wing defender role, they were able to do a really good job. But Kuz being something there instead of just really really poor defender overall uh, was a huge development. Caruso, I think. I mean, my take's a little bit different because we we saw some of this coming. Mm-hmm. The story's really good, but I'm not the most surprised. But um, he wasn't
1: always this he, good. He developed. He developed. He
0: did on his contract. Yeah, like he developed for real. Like we saw some of these seeds there. And then last year, we saw a lot of it come together, but you know, it wasn't against the, like big minutes with the starters, whatever. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of really good options here. I will say that the best story is Caruso to me. The most surprising is probably Rondo um, and the most impactful, I guess I'll say Rondo.
1: Yeah, he really was their third best player on a consistent basis. He had a couple bad games, but at least as far as what he contributes to getting the ball out of LeBron's hands, setting up Anthony Davis, we talked every series the lob was there and Rondo consistently was the only player to take advantage of that play yeah he also shot forty percent from three. I don't care who you are. You shoot forty percent from three in a playoff run. You know you're a top five valuable player to your team. so yeah, all these things you know we he took on the defensive responsibility for harden sometimes i I think the way you laid it out as far as surprising, impactful, and all of that was completely on point. I do want to credit dwight howard for his his ability to become what he needed to and we saw we see guys can be happy. and be happy. He seems like he really had found peace this season and credit to that guy for that. And, and we see other guys like Mello settling into a role position just didn't, didn't fit right away for him. You know, it took him a minute to get into that. And there's other guys who probably, you know, might be in the league if they, they could still do that too. But I don't know, man. I think that this team has come so far from where they started that every single one of these, um, every single one of these needed to happen for, in order for them to to get here. So.
0: Yeah. In, in, in that way, recognizing all of that, it's also good to add that perspective of, you know, this is why people weren't, This is why we weren't anticipating this from this team at the beginning of the season. It was they could get there. They have the potential. We know what LeBron can do in the playoffs. We have AD. But there's so many question marks. And we saw a real true development. And we have to give full credit to Vogel, Mm -hmm. Phil Handy, that whole coaching staff. Jason Kidd too, man. Along with these guys for, yeah. the, The commitment from those guys, we didn't see any. Like for the Lakers, of all teams, for the Lakers, we saw so little drama this year. Um, like the most drama we saw was like fans trying to bully people and, and <laughs> like KCP get better because of it somehow. Uh, but like it, there was so little drama. The coaches were great. The players bought in. They got better. Like guys got better. They were given the right opportunities. Like Caruso was given opportunities because of all the hard work he's put in and he took advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, And then Dwight, guys like Dwight and Kuz being able to accept the right role for them just everything fit together. There was so much alignment, which is such a key thing. It wasn't like those old Laker teams where everybody's on a one-year deal and just kind of playing for themselves. Mm -hmm. We saw true alignment guys were all along the same path, going for the same goal and like happy. And that was, it was just so much fun to root for a team like that because you could feel their joy. You could feel their cohesion. And it's, I mean, we're always going to remember this team um, and and that's going to be a big part of it.
1: So, I love also that we said we were gonna talk for like for, you know 45 minutes and we're already at an hour. This is good. It's it was too long after the season uh after the season to pod, but glad we can get back. So I'm gonna try and boost the speed up a little bit here. Just finishing off this okay. uh last one, the Twitter poll you threw up was Caruso's rise to the starter got 43%. Second was Dwight at 32%, and then Rondo at 17%. So you know, a lot more even of a split kind of than some of our other polls. But, you know, you could see that Caruso's story, I think I agree from where he started to where he, you know, ended this season. He's just maybe the most valuable Lakers contract in history, which, you know, it's probably saying something. So Mm -hmm. let's move it on to a couple quick hitters here. Uh, What's the best in-season addition? So we have the, the Markeith Morris signing. Uh, the playoff Rondo being activated. Also have LFR to the Lakers and Halsey joining NBA Twitter at Halsey and one.
0: Lots of good options. Uh, definitely enjoyed and was fun to experience everything with with Pete and everything he's doing mm-hmm. now with the Lakers, and then also just the halsey's account popping out of nowhere and just being all like shit talking memes was fantastic. Um, Rondo again, f- huge credit was super impactful. But I think the Marquise signing is, I guess, where I would lean for this one, um, just because it was such a, a key piece to let the team play more versatile than we otherwise could have. And I, I think that and Rondo would, would be my top two, but I'll, I'll lean for Marquise for this one.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. We got him when the Clippers had to give up a first-round pick for their twin. So... uh I, I would have to agree though. Marquise fed big minutes and was the, uh, allowed the Lakers to kind of play small ball, but still have some shooting on the court with A D, which is super important, obviously, in in uh in in the finals. Um, so moving quickly on to the next one though. Who's the best screener on the team? So we got our three bigs, right? We got Dwight, we got DeVale, we got A D. Best screener on the team could also be Darius' block button. Very i don't know if he's more of a block guy or more of a mute i think he probably low-key mutes more people but just doesn't say anything and lets them shout into the to the ether but darius darius probably has got a mean screen broad shoulders
0: i don't know anyone who talks more about how much they mute and block people than darius (laughs) Which is what makes it funny to me is he's like he's always just kind of like subtweeting people and and just like very grumpy about what his mentions look like and and makes it very public and clear to everyone else. We we love Darius, but yeah, I I bet mean, he could set, set a, a pretty good screen, but uh, yeah, I'd I'd go with Dwight. I Dwight could I'd probably have a concussion if
1: Dwight set a screen on me. Dude, he's he's a mammoth of a human. Uh, yeah, Dwight won the vote as well, sixty three percent. Uh, Next closest was AD at 18%, and then Darius at 17%. But, you know, Dwight, that's again, setting a good screen is a very important skill. It's very underrated. You know, you can go out there and throw your body, but it doesn't mean that you're, you know, setting a good screen and getting an advantage. So that was one of the things Dwight was just amazing at all season. Um, So bigger awards, Tim. Offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, MVP. I mean, this is going to be chalk, right? Let's Yeah, these are easy. Defensive player of the year, AD. Or is it Tyler Hero? Yeah. Just shooting more. Is that our best defense?
0: It, it, that really helped our defense. Him taking 18, 20 shots. And, and again, not in his ideal role. Wasn't the best reflection of the talent that he has. Um, but like I said in game one, if Tyler Hero keeps playing the way he's playing, <laughs> he might be the the twelfth most impactful player in the series uh, he can he can stop meaning to remember the, the twelve guys who were drafted ahead of him he can remember the twelve guys in this series who played better than him and we we kind of saw that a little bit um, that was a, a joke at the time but also I'm sure if you pull up like their PIPM numbers or something for that series he was not up there because unfortunately he was thrust into a role he currently is not ready for but in the future may be able to to take on and more uh, in a more justified way snarl at opposing teams.
1: So, AD obviously won 91% of the vote, but Hero did get 7% above LeBron's 2%. 0.9% yeah, actually. Oh, tall. no. I'm not doing points. At least from what I'm. It, it's hashtag not nice. Okay. Offensive player of the year, obviously LeBron James as well. I don't think this one's as close because LeBron sets the table for the entire team, and he won with 85% of the vote because I round up. Okay.
0: Yep, I have no comment it's, there. We,
1: yeah, it's, LeBron was the this best. is chalk, you know. I mean, this if you want superlatives, this is it. Um, and then obviously most valuable player. This one's a little bit closer because I think you could argue since A D was our defensive uh player of the year and defense was the Lakers identity all season, that he might have a better case for MVP. But the poll does not agree because it is with ninety-one percent to AD's nine percent. LeBron James took the votes. I'm not mad at it. I I would
0: venture to guess that this looks a little bit closer next year. That's gonna be my guess. I think I think we're gonna see now that the team is well on the title, I think we're gonna see more a little bit more coasting during the regular season, a little bit more experimenting with guys like THT or whoever our first round pick ends up being. You know, try to try to try things some things out, true up some minutes, eat some innings pretty much. I think we might see AD leaned upon a little bit more in the regular season, um, and if he does anything like, if he, if he performs in the regular season like he performed in these playoffs, where he had a huge jump in how much he individually was creating for himself and how efficient he was, this this will look a little bit closer. But yeah, Le- LeBron hands down was the guy this year.
1: All right, man, we're getting we're getting to the end here. We did have a couple suggestions in the chat. We didn't bring up a couple because honestly, like we need to like do the film research because people wanted to know what's the best momentum swinger uh, momentum swinger this uh, season. That would be something where I think like, man, maybe it was that KCP stretch in the finals game one when the Lakers got down big early and he had like 11 points in the first, that would be the one that came to my mind first, but I would want more time to, to get into that There's stuff like that. There's yeah. what was the best weekend this year with, Obviously, the weekend we bit the Clippers and Bucks being high up there. There are a couple other Mm -hmm. sequences I thought would be super high up there. But again, the the first part of the season was so long ago that it, it feels like last season in terms of how I can remember it, you know?
0: Yeah, it's tough. Like Best game we didn't deserve to win was another question ah. that Johnny sent. I don't
1: remember. Yeah. It's...
0: <laughs> I would need to do there more was... research. He but... mentioned the Bulls
1: uh... game early in the season. I do agree with that. That was uh, on the road. We, we got down super big, and they just decimated them with defense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we need time yeah. for this, some of this stuff, so maybe we'll come back and do a mailbag episode. Um, trying to wrap up quickly here, but we'll come back soon. The news for us is that we're going to try and keep to a consistent three-pot-a-week schedule. The NBA, it looks like Tim might be coming back sooner than we thought. Uh, Woj just dropped a piece with Tim McMahon saying that the NBA is discussing starting as as early as Christmas and maintaining a 72-game schedule and kind of punting on the idea that they want to hold out until all fans can be in the arenas because the coronavirus pandemic is not being under control at, on on schedule for that to happen anytime early next year. So, I'm I'm here for it. It doesn't sound like there's going to be another bubble, but we sh- we might be getting basketball here, Tim, in an, another sixty days.
0: Wow, that's wild.
1: So <laughs> I need more time. Yeah, no, we're gonna have a marathon sp- and a sprint into this draft, into free agency. Um, in the piece, Woj mentioned October 30th being a date that. You know, the teams uh, and or the excuse me, the teams and the um, Players Association agree on a collective bargaining, you know, adjustment. So uh, things are moving quick. We got the draft coming up on the 18th of November. So we're going to try and come back three times a week starting uh, today. And we're going to start Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, starting next week.
0: Yeah, and and we will be, I think Mondays, and, and it, it'll obviously be fluid and, and maybe change, but Mondays try to have the two of us talk in some, whatever Lakers topic, whether it be talking about the draft or breaking down some free agency uh, sort of stuff. Wednesdays, maybe go over uh, a player or two. We might have to do two mm-hmm. with, with the shortened timeline uh, from the team this season. So next week, we're planning to talk about THT. We're going to have Alex Regla on with us Um, and maybe we'll have to throw a second player in there. Um, And then Fridays, maybe more Lakers stuff, uh, but I also would love to use some of these pods to introduce some new statistics or some scheme concepts to this audience and say like, hey, here's this really cool stat we have. Here's how you interpret it. Here's what it means. Here's what goes into it. Here's what it says about the Lakers Um, and, and be able to kind of add to the toolkit that we have when we're looking at analyzing players, analyzing teams, learning about you know different things the Lakers can incorporate, all that sort of stuff. So lots of cool stuff ahead. Um, we've got a good structure to it. Uh, I'm glad that we do now that the, the season might be coming up soon. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a little bit of a whirlwind heading into that. Um, and, and then we'll have to figure out what uh, regular season mode looks like for this podcast. But I'm pumped. Uh, we've mentioned a couple times on the pod today that uh, we had people in the chat or, or people recommending things. Right. And that would be from the Discord that we just set up today. Uh, we have, I think, like 20 or so people in it so far. Um, if you would like to join, and like right now we have a general channel, we have a free agency talk channel where people are like, hey, what do you think about Mo Harkless? And I'll share some thoughts and s- throw some some data in there, throw some screenshots in there. We have uh, like a league news channel where we were just talking about what might happen with with that schedule. Or, you know, different random news that might happen, like Shaq going after Dwight or just different random things. We have a draft chat where uh, <laughs> I'm learning from other people who are some players that the Lakers should be taking a look at with their late first round pick. We've been talking Trey Jones and a couple other guys sharing some resources. So lots of good discussion throughout the day. Um, you can hop in, hop out, uh, but but come chop it up with us. If you've enjoyed the podcast, I think you'll really enjoy having that extra accessibility and us being able to like, I can say, hey, here's the exact video or here's a screenshot um, that can help uh, in that more intimate setting, translate what we're talking about than just through the the audio. So if you would like to join that, all we would need you to do is go ahead on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a five-star review. take a screenshot of that, DM that to me on Twitter or send that to Tom. Um, you can find me at Tim underscore MBA. You can find Tom at creative destroyer. Uh, We'll throw you in the, uh, the discord. If you don't listen on Apple DM me anyway, and and we'll figure something out um, and, and we can get you in there, but we'd love to build up that community. I think that'll be a really cool feature next year to have as games are happening and be able to absolutely to have that going on and talk about free agents. And like we, we can only talk for so long on a podcast, but there are dozens and dozens and dozens of guys that the Lakers could look at, or, trades that they could explore that we can really break down and, and have just more normal dialogue. Like we're just sitting at a bar talking basketball, um, in that discord. So, uh, give us those ratings, send them over to us. We'll get you in there and, and can't wait to, uh, chop it up with you guys. Yeah. As, as things. Move
1: yeah. I mean, sometimes you need a three hour long Twitter thread to describe the merits of Jordan McLaughlin, um, And sometimes you can just like talk about him for 10 minutes and it's the same amount of information. So, you know, to each their own. There's balance as all things must have. (laughs) So we're going to get out of here. This is the Season Superlatives pod. Thank you so much for joining us. As Tim mentioned, please subscribe, rate us, join the conversation in in Discord. It's going to be a little bit more intimate than on Twitter, although we'll still fire off some stuff on Twitter. It's just kind of a little more personal, you know, get to know each other.
0: Mason Ginsburg isn't looking over our shoulders That's right. when
1: we have these discussions. That's right. So so uh, hit us up, guys. We're going to be back to you on a uh, regular schedule, and we can't wait to, to chop it up again soon. Talk to you later. Sugar Ray Leonard,
0: Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.